Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we again come before you and uh, are thankful for this word that you've given to us, this Bible, uh, protected, Father, and, and given it to us so freely uh, in this country, multiple translations, and uh, just extremely uh, readily available. Father, how we thank you for that. Father, may we not uh, take uh, lightly what our brothers and sisters would uh, have given just about anything for uh, were they able to uh, have a copy of the Bible. So, Father, uh, speak to us through it, we ask, and uh, may we see you more clearly uh, as we see your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're uh, continuing our study of uh, the great words of salvation, and uh, we've, we're looking at the, the God of names and the name of God, and uh, uh, we looked at how God uses names and so forth, and special names, and names that nobody knows but the person who has them, and, and so forth, and but the first uh, name in this, in this uh, section of study that we dealt with last time was Jehovah Rohi, R-O-H-I, from the Hebrew, and that means the Lord is my shepherd, okay? Jehovah Shepherd. Today, we're dealing with uh, the next one. There's a number of these that, that we'll be looking at, but we're looking at the next one, which is Jehovah Jireh. Uh, some of you remember these uh, from times past, I hope. J-I-R-E-H, uh, Jehovah Jireh. It means the Lord will provide. So we're going to be looking at uh, how that was used, when it was used, who used it, um, and the significance of that. Now, before we uh, get into this, um, it's important to recognize that God has evidenced that his word is his word by many, many things that we find in scripture. Eschatology is one of those. That's a study of future events so that anybody can pick up the Bible and look at all of the prophetic uh, things that were said in scripture that have already been absolutely and perfectly fulfilled. You know, it just drives me crazy <laughs> when somebody uh, that I'm talking with says, well, I, I don't believe the Bible. I said, well, have you read it? Well, no, I don't like, I can't, I don't, I don't read it. <laughs> and it just kills me because if you read it and you have an understanding of it, uh, you start to see this is, there's no way anybody could do this well, one of the things I want to talk about this morning is that God has chosen to take the lives of ordinary people that were living in a certain day and teach a lesson through their lives. He wove a course of events in their lives as they lived in, as they lived their lives and were obedient to him and so forth they end up being a picture of something more important uh, down the road which we can learn from. 
But that is an amazing sign of God's writing his word, that it's God's word, okay? So uh, where we're going to be, and it's going to take us a while to get to uh, Jehovah Jireh in this passage. We're going to go through this whole passage that brought this about, and that is Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to start at verse 1. Okay, Genesis 22, verse 1. Now came about after these things that God tested Abraham. Okay? Now, there's, that's you know, important to realize that uh, you, you and I are going to have tests in our life. You know, we're going to have uh, challenges because, you know, we may think that we've got a pretty solid faith. <laughs> and then God puts a little bump in our road, <laughs> and we find out that uh, this really shook me up. <laughs> and so these tests, they, God doesn't need the test. You understand? He knows exactly how you're going to mess up or uh, not think of him and so forth. We need the test to see uh, where we'll be and how we do. And so these things are, uh, are profitable uh, for us. So now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. I like that. But here we go. Of all the tests in scripture, (laughs) you'd be hard pressed to outdo this one. Okay. I'm going to read the verse and then we're going to go through it uh, point by point. And he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Remember the origin of the word Isaac? means laughter. Remember uh, when Sarah was in the tent and the Lord was talking with Abraham and the Lord said, next year, this time now, she's an old lady and she's been barren her whole life and her husband's uh, almost 99 or it's going to be 100. At any rate, uh, he said, you're going to have a son next year. And she laughed. And then the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah said, I didn't laugh. <laughs> she, wasn't, she didn't lie. <laughs> uh, Anyway, you know, you think, what are you thinking when you lie to God? <laughs> That's, uh, 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 but at any rate, uh, so this little kid's named Isaac. She carried laughter inside her uh, and then gave birth to laughter. Uh, at any rate, uh, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. The only son, according to promise, because you already had what? Uh, Ishmael. Okay. Uh, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. All right. I don't know if you know. You probably do know. But this ends up, this whole event ends up being a tremendous foretelling of the Father God the Father and the Son who loves his Son and who 
is the savior to be. Okay, he's gonna come and he's gonna be the savior. And this is woven into the life of Abraham and the giving of his son up in, as a sacrifice, uh, as we'll, we'll see how that works out. And uh, okay, so uh, take now your son, your only son. Okay, let's go to John chapter three and verse 16. I know everybody knows this. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so what is God asking uh, Abraham to do? To give his only begotten son. Okay. Uh, that who, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's remind ourselves, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. Go to Luke chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 3, we're going to come down to verse 21. Now it came about when all the people were baptized, uh, that Jesus also was baptized. This is John the Baptist uh, in uh, I'm always reminded of uh, some pastors that always said, don't call him John the Baptist. <laughs> he wasn't a Baptist. <laughs> he was John the Baptizer. <laughs> you get the idea? Okay, you get it. <laughs> it came about when all the people were baptized that Jesus also was baptized. And, he, and while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, thou art my, what? Beloved son. Take your, what did God say to Abraham? Take your son, your only son, <laughs> whom you love. Okay, you see that what God's weaving in here. Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. I think we could uh, certainly see in this account of uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac that that might be something that uh, could well be said by uh, Abraham and Isaac. I, I'm well pleased with you, especially when you see uh, how this uh, ends up. Okay, so, and then uh, Colossians. Chapter 1, where speaking of our salvation, it says, For he, God, delivered us from the domain of darkness, out of Satan's kingdom, Satan's world system, and transferred us, as the work of God, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, okay? This is the, now looking at Jesus Christ as the beloved son uh, of the Father. Okay, then back to our passage uh, in Genesis chapter 22.
Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. All right? Very interesting. Burnt offering. Let's deal with that first of all. You know what happened, uh, uh, what God set up in Israel? Um, You know, um, Ironside has this little uh, devotional, and he titled it, The Continual Burnt Offering. And that reminds us, uh, let's go to Exodus chapter 29. And in Exodus 29, 38. So here's uh, coming through Moses, the children of Israel come out of Egypt, and this is what God says they are to do. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two one-year-old lambs each day continuously. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And it shall be one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hen of uh, beaten oil and one-fourth of a hen of wine for a libation with one lamb. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight and shall offer with it the same grain offering as the morning and the same libation for a soothing aroma. And notice, uh, soothing aroma to whom? To God. He will be pleased, propitiated by the, so to speak, burnt offering or the offering of his son. Okay? Uh, An offering by fire to the Lord. Now get this. It shall be, here's uh, Ironside's title, it shall be a continual burnt offering. Do you understand what we're talking about here? We're talking about the sacrifice of a lamb during the morning put with fire under it. It burns all day long, 12 hours. There's never a time, get this picture, there's never a time when the soothing aroma is not ascending from that lamb. And then in the evening, to replace that one, another one, they take the, uh, you know, the ashes and the so forth, and they take care, of, and they have another fire. Another lamb goes on, burns all night long, and the next day, and it goes seven days a week, all the time. There's never a time when there isn't a lamb on the altar. What a, it gives me shivers as far as what that says for us as believers in the true lamb of God, that God is entirely satisfied with what he did on our behalf. He is the absolute soothing aroma to the Father as the Father in his holy wrath has dealt with him entirely and satisfied him forever. And he is that continual burnt offering. What a, what a, what a, what a picture. Okay, so... Um, God says to Abraham, uh, 
I want you to go to the land of Moriah and you're going to offer your son as a burnt offering. Can you grasp? <laughs> it's what, Just for any of us to think of you know what the offering was it took uh, a flint knife a flint knife is in some way sharper than a razor and the throat of the animal's cut and immediately uh, uh, the, the blood gushes out Years ago, I was in a, uh, I went to a slaughterhouse because I needed a, a heart to feed, it's a long story, but to feed to my <laughs> falcon. And, uh, uh, and they said, oh, come on in. And so they let me go into the slaughter room. And they threw a chain around this uh, big cow. All of a sudden, his legs are up in the air. He's upside down. And, it, and he, said, he said, this is a kosher slaughter today. I said, really? You know? And so in walks this rabbi, and he's got the, uh, you know, the thing on his head, and, and he's all dressed up like a rabbi, and he pulls out this long, it looked like a sword, only it was really, really thin. And he walks over to that, uh, that cow, and he, and he grabs it by the horns, and he lifts the head up, and he just takes this thing, it was so sharp, he just takes this thing, and I could not believe the blood. I mean, just whoosh, you know, just gushed out of this, uh, out of this animal. So you say, well, why are you telling us that? <laughs> That's probably a good question. But you've got to understand, Abraham has done this before to, to sheep, and to animals. He knows what God is calling him to do. And it's, it's the utmost thing that he's going to have to cut his son's throat. And then he's going to start a fire and he's going to burn him up. All right. Let's go next to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 3. What an amazing thing. So you picture this, uh, uh, you know, here's Abraham, and it's, uh, I think it's at least a three-day journey, and then some more uh, to this mountain. And, and the Lord calls it the Mount Moriah. And the Moriah is a mountain range. And so uh, we come to Second Chronicles 3, verse 1. And it says, then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. I think God doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Here, the sacrifice that looked forward to Christ that was supposed to take place with Abraham to Isaac is on the mountain range where the temple ultimately is going to be built right on the threshing floor. Uh, okay, here we go. Where the Lord had appeared to his father David 
at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Do you remember that account in Scripture in the Old Testament? I mean, it's just amazing. The people are, a plague is wiping them out from the, from the hand of the angel of the Lord, and, uh, and it, it shook David to his core. From what I understand, as I read Scripture, it bothered him the rest of his life because he saw the angel of the Lord standing over Jerusalem with a drawn sword, and the people are just dying like flies, and the Lord tells him to offer a sacrifice. And he goes up and he, buy, he buys this uh, place, this threshing floor from Ornan, uh, the Jebusite, and he, he provides for the, uh, David provides for the, uh, all that goes on there in that, in that sacrifice and the plague uh, is stopped. Okay, So we have this link between where, uh, where Abraham is sent to sacrifice his son Isaac and where the temple will be built and where the same mountain range where Jesus Christ will die on the cross. Same place. You know, like I said earlier, uh, have you read the Bible? <laughs> Are you paying attention to what's there? Uh, how could people come up with this? You know? Uh, okay. Then, I, I was struck by this. Go to Genesis chapter 12. And uh, we're going to come down to, so this is way back in the beginning for Abraham and his relationship with the Lord in uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. What do you say about Mount Moriah? He says, I want you to go up and, and uh, this land, uh, what was the phrase? <laughs> go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. It's the same kind of thing. Lord, you're not telling me where I'm going? Yeah, I will. You get the... If, if you were being sent out by the Lord somewhere, what would be your first question? Where? I need, a, <laughs> I need to know. I want to look it up on my GPS kind of thing. Uh, where am I going? Uh -huh. And the Lord said, well, I will show you. Okay. So it's a tremendous act of faith. You just start out, and then God gives you what you need. And so that is such a grand picture of the Christian life. You know what I mean by that? You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. What does the Lord say? Walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And what, what does that mean? What do you do when you walk? You're not where you were going. You're starting out and you pick up one foot and put it down and the next foot and you walk. And I love that picture of life. You, you may not know where you're, what's going to happen tomorrow, 
I don't think you do. <laughs> All of us think we do. You know, we are, that, that's something we get ingrained, you know, as I know what I do Mondays. Well, tomorrow might be different, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but uh, you're, you're called on to what? Walk by faith and not by sight. And that's what Abraham is. He's the father of us as far as faith is concerned. He's just this perfect example of, of faith. You know, a wonderful example of faith. Not perfect, but wonderful. Um, okay. Now, go to uh, Hebrews. Hebrews 13. This is just uh, relating. It doesn't mention Moriah. We know what it is, but uh, that mountain range. But it says this. For the bodies, uh, talking about Old Testament sacrifices, for the bodies... Uh, of those animals whose blood is uh, brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Now, outside the camp was the place for what? Where, for one thing, lepers went and unclean people. Okay. And, and so it says this, Hence let us go out to him outside the camp uh, bearing his reproach. Okay? In other words, be willing to suffer uh, for Jesus Christ and bear the reproach. And by the way, you don't have to look far to find the reproach. You know, speak of Christ, then you're probably going to find some pushback certainly on that. Okay. Now, Back to Genesis 22. So we read, So Abraham rose early in the morning. Don't you love that? Uh, he's going to sacrifice his son and burn him up. Gets up early. He's doing it. And saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. He heads up to that mountain range, Moriah. On the third day, so it's quite a trip, Abraham raised his eyes. And saw the place, he's looking off, he can see this place. Evidently, God is making it known to him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, now he had uh, people with him. He certainly had camels or donkeys or whatever. Uh, and Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, there you go, and I and the lad will go yonder and we will worship and return to you. You get what he said? He didn't say, and I will worship and return to you. He said, we will worship and return to you. How could he do that? He did it because God said to him, in you 
shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And your offspring are going to be like the sand of the seashore. You're going to have innumerable. Well, guess what? Isaac doesn't have any kids yet. I often wondered, what if Isaac had three sons at this point? I mean, that changes the whole thing. But God set it up so Abraham, and you know, isn't it interesting? What a great picture of this is how we're supposed to walk with Scripture. We're supposed to put it together, you know, and say, well, that then means this. And that's what Abraham did. He said, I know God can't lie. And he told me, I'm going to have offspring through Isaac like the sand of the seashore. So he's got to raise Isaac from the dead. That's, what he, that's exactly what he thought. Go to, um, go to Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. What's that remind you of? John three sixteen. Okay. And now here it is. And it was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead. Who would that man be? Uh, Isaac, even from the dead, from which he received him back as a type. That tells us that this is a type of, a picture of Jesus Christ. And because, as you're going to see and you already know, uh, God stayed his hand. He was about to put the knife in uh, Isaac's uh, neck and uh, God said, nope, you're not doing it. But he received him back because in his mind, what is, what, it was a done deal. You can be sure that he did not think God was going to stay his hand. But he knew that he had the promise that if he did do that, that God would have to raise him from the dead because he has to keep his word. Okay, wonderful, wonderful uh, picture. Okay, now uh, back to Genesis 22. And... So he says, you stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go yonder and we will worship and return to you. Okay. I love this. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Okay. Um, if you would go to, and I'm not going to be dogmatic about this, but go to John chapter 19. I see this similarity. John chapter 19 and verse 17. This is crucifixion. 
They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross. Whoa. What's the cross made of? Wood. Okay. And it's the means where he will be sacrificed for our sins. And what is Isaac doing? Isaac, by the way, is a young, strong man. A young man, maybe in his early 20s. But at any rate, uh, he's carrying his own means of being a burnt offering. Okay. And I see that. I think God wanted us to see that similarity uh, between Isaac and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so back to Genesis. I know we're switching around a lot. Genesis 22. So here we go. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? So Isaac is thinking, I've never seen it done like this before. You know, I mean, wherever, you know, we've got everything. We've got the wood, I've got the wood on me, and, and we've got the knife, and we've got the fire. Uh, there's no lamb. Okay. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham, this is a hint of where we're headed. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Okay? It's interesting. You know, you you, got to wonder. I have questions I'd like to ask Abraham and Isaac, too, for that matter. Uh, But um, Abraham says God will provide for himself the lamb. And I believe that by the Holy Spirit, he's speaking of the true lamb, the true lamb of God, okay? Because he, I think he really thinks he's, that, uh, I don't think he thinks he's talking about Isaac, okay? He's talking about the future. Uh, So go to uh, John chapter 1. And verse 29. So here's John, like we said, the baptizer, (laughs) speaking. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, notice these words. These are the words of John the Baptist speaking after 400 years of silence. You realize between the book of Malachi and the words that we're looking at here, you have what's called the 400 silent years. There's no book (laughs) during that time to tell us. There's all kinds of things that went on in Jewish history, but there was no book. There's no prophet that's speaking during that time that we can that we're aware of. And so, but now here comes John the Baptist and this, this news that uh, it just gets me <laughs> so amazing. These were, what more important words have ever been uttered than basically saying, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
the, you know, he could have gone on and said, the one that Abraham, when he sacrificed Isaac, and when he was going to sacrifice, was looking forward to. The one that the Passover was looking forward to. The one that the continual burnt offering spoke of every day, all day, all week long, week after week, uh, generation after generation. You get the idea. Okay. Uh, all right. So, back to uh, Genesis 22. So, verse 9, then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, you know, the thing that, like I said, I'd like to, I, I, I plan to ask Abraham about this. <laughs> if I don't know, know by then. But something's happened because Isaac is satisfied with those words earlier where the Lord said what? Oh, God's going to provide a lamb. So what transpired, I would love to have that conversation. Isaac, today you're it. But the thing that also strikes me is Abraham could be 120 years old, probably is. And his son is, he carried all that wood. How much wood does it take to, you know, burn a whole body up? Uh, he carried all that. So he's a, he's a, 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 a vital, strong, Young guy, how do you end up on that altar? And I think the answer to that is he was told by Abraham what was to take place. And I think Isaac was willing. I think that he was a perfect representative of Jesus Christ and that his father explained it to him. And he said, son, you're going to be raised from the dead, and God is going to keep his plan. You're still going to be married. You're still going to have children and so forth, and you can count on it. And he allowed himself to be bound and put on that, uh, put on that altar. Okay, so, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And we talked about this is a tremendous act of faith. Uh, okay. But then we have this. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. You know, 
I think it's uh, the, the course, course called Firm Foundations. Am I right with that? Do you remember that uh, a few years back we were looking at that? And, and uh, uh, it's a course where missionaries go out and they, and they don't give the gospel immediately. They, they say we're going to start in the book of Genesis. They go through creation. They go, they, they go through the, then Israel and the law and all these promises. And they go through this passage that we just studied this morning. And, uh, and then uh, they come up to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Gospels. And I remember the story of this one tribe where they were so, this is before they've studied the cross, they don't know about it. And they were just in love with Jesus Christ. And then they're terrified or horrified when they find out that he's been arrested you know, and now they're taking him and they're, it looks like they're going to kill him. And then, then they say, they said to the missionary, oh, the Lord will provide. You know what they meant? There's going to be another one to spare Jesus Christ. And that missionary said, no, he is the one. He is the true Lamb of God. And they were just overwhelmed that now he went to the cross and he was the Lamb of God. I just always loved that account of this tribe. It was like the whole tribe, uh, just a major part of that tribe came to faith in Christ as they went all through. It takes a year for him to go through that whole, uh, uh, that whole thing. Um, okay. Uh, So let's go to verse 14 as we finish up. It's a good thing you gave me those extra minutes, <laughs> Richard. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. Okay. It says this. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said, to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. In other words, Jesus Christ is going to come and he is going to be uh, the Lamb of God who uh, takes away uh, the, sin, uh, the, the sins of the world. So we'll stop there. Father, how we thank you for uh, this great example of your plan uh, for the giving of your son, for our sins, uh, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness and, uh, and Father, be made righteous forever so that you even uh, call us your saints, your holy ones, uh, because of what Christ has done. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.